Now, I would imagine um, this concept we're talking about today isn't a new concept for most of us, uh, but have you ever heard the term FOMO before? Uh, that's right, FOMO is the fear of missing out. Uh, and the term, it came into prevalence in the early 2000s with the advent of social media. Uh, you know, Facebook came on the scene and all of a sudden there was this fear that something else is happening that I haven't been invited to be a part of. That I, uh, everyone else is having fun and I'm here uh, at the time studying in my dorm room. <laughs> like, I'm missing out. Something is happening and I'm not a part of it. Uh, actually, according to an article in Forbes, it might be a fairly new term, but FOMO isn't anything new, as I'm sure you know. Uh, one doctor said humans want to feel like we're included, like we belong to a group. And whether it's a party or a group hangout or a concert or even just bumping into an old friend at the grocery store, when we hear someone else talk about something that they experienced, there's a part of ourselves that wishes we were there. Uh, even the more introverted individuals, they still at times feel this mourning or loss when they missed out on some group experience. In fact, there are some noted symptoms that come with FOMO. They say obsessively checking social media to see what others are doing, uh, experiencing negative feelings when comparing your life with what you see others doing on social media, and feeling just mentally exhausted from social media are some of the major symptoms of FOMO. You know, we all want to participate. We, we want to be a part of whatever's going on. And that word participate is actually our focus this morning. Uh, participate literally means to take part in an action or an endeavor. endeavor. You know, if you participate in a football game, you are taking part by playing, by filling a specific role. If you participate in singing, whether it's in your car or like we just did a few minutes ago, you're taking part by using your voice to contribute to the larger body of music. And if you participate in a project like at school or at work, you are taking part by carrying out a certain task in order to finish the job together. Now, to take part, it's to receive a portion. And when it comes to our mission as followers of Jesus, Taking part is the reason why you and I are here. You know, there should be no fear of missing out because we've all been not only invited, but entrusted with participating, with taking part in telling the world the good news. And yet, if we're honest, at least according to our actions, you know, too often we are content with missing out. We have no fear of missing out. We're satisfied in not participating. We're okay with being disobedient. We sit out instead of taking part. Now, before we look at the text today, I wanted to show a short clip. And you may have seen this already. It's, it's been on the interwebs for 10 or 15 years, but it's still extremely applicable and timely. So let's take a moment and watch this video. And I've always said, text. you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. 
And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. So that's Penn Jillette, the famous comedy magic troupe Penn and Teller. He's a renowned atheist, very outspoken in his atheistic views. And yet here he is saying, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? Today we're coming up on the end of Luke's gospel. And if you were with us the past three Sundays, ever since Easter, we've been talking about making some necessary shifts. On Easter Sunday, we talked about a shift in perspective uh, or a shift in our point of view. Uh, we talked about like this piece of art. Um, you know, you see this art hanging, you just walk into the room and see this, and it's cool, it's neat. Uh, it took a lot of time to hang all of those balls. But if you move to the right place, if you shift your perspective, you see this, this beautiful planned piece of art. But you have to move your perspective. You have to move to the right place to see it as the artist intended. Last week, we talked about a shift in perception or a shift in our understanding. And we talked about the sensory box challenge, how you can reach inside a box and you can feel what's there, but there's that moment where it clicks, where you understand what you are feeling. It's more than just senses, but you have an understanding of what is going on. And we talked about how you can glean facts about what Jesus has done, how the tomb is empty. But until, like he did with the Emmaus disciples, until he revealed the plan of God from the beginning, then they had understanding. Then they could see how it all worked together for this mega plan that God had in store. And today we're talking about another shift, a shift in participation. And we'll see how Jesus challenged his disciples to take part in the mission and how you and I today are called to do the same. So just a few pieces of background info and then we'll jump into the text for today. Uh, first, what we read happening here, this is all happening either extremely late in the night or very early in the morning of Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday has gone through. The Emmaus disciples have walked with Jesus unknowingly. They sat down to eat, and then they discovered this is Jesus, and he disappeared. They made the seven-mile trek back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night, and here is where we pick up today. We're in Luke 24, uh, beginning in verse 36. Uh, you can go ahead and turn there. We'll read in just a moment. Uh, but as we see, the Emmaus disciples, they learned that he really is the Messiah and how all the scriptures point to him. So up to that point, they'd been gathering facts about Jesus, but they didn't understand that this resurrected Jesus was actually the one teaching them. The second thing I want to point out before we read the text so after Jesus revealed to these disciples that he was actually the risen Lord and he vanished, 
the two disciples made a decision that they needed to go back to Jerusalem and tell everyone else what they had learned. They knew that Jesus was alive and they couldn't keep that to themselves. They had to go back and tell others what they had experienced. So today's passage picks up right as these two disciples arrive back in Jerusalem at the house where the other disciples were holed up. So let's go ahead and read Luke 24, beginning in verse 36. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under a seat nearby. Uh, Grab that and just let me encourage you. If you don't have one, take that as our gift to you. Uh, But let's go ahead and read verse 36 through 38. As they were saying these things, he himself, Jesus, stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? So they are late in the night. The disciples are all gathered around, and they're hearing the news from the two who just returned from Emmaus. They were telling them that Jesus is alive. We saw him ourselves. He showed us everything from the scriptures. And then just out of nowhere, Jesus shows up. And, you know, I, I imagine as he says peace to you, like this is the biggest jump scare <laughs> in the movie. Like we were just talking about you and they were terrified. And the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I imagine when Jesus shows up, he has the biggest smile on his face. And as Peter and James and John are screaming in fear, Jesus just bursts out laughing, you know, because he has no reason to be downcast. There's nothing weighing heavily on his heart or his mind because as he said on the cross, it is finished. His work was done and now he could enjoy the finished work. And as Jesus showed up, his words, peace to you. You know, it was a very common phrase, a typical greeting in Jewish culture. However, Jesus was literally bringing peace to his disciples here. And they may not have understood the full weight of it yet, but Jesus was bringing the overflowing life that he had promised. So as we consider what it looks like to experience a shift in participation, I believe first Jesus wants us to participate in the peace. And friends, you know, if you spend 10 minutes in our world today, you know without a shadow of a doubt that our world is weary It's downcast. There's no lasting peace in the vast majority of people that you interact with. You know, they might be able to put on a face for a time, but if you were able to see just beneath the surface, you would quickly discover that they're full of fear and anxiety and insecurity, and it's churning inside of people. And let me say, these feelings aren't just isolated to those who are not following Jesus. There are many weights and burdens that we all carry, even as followers of Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you're, you're trapped or hopeless, whether it's decisions that you've made or it's from the actions or decisions or words of other people. And if you feel like I'm, I'm talking right to you this moment, I, I want you to hear two things clearly. First is that you're not alone. You know, God has blessed us with this church and with these brothers and sisters 
who are more than just people that we gather with once a week. Like our family here, we're with one another. We are walking alongside each other through the good times and through the difficult times. It is a gift that we have one another in this. And we are truly for one another. And maybe you've been at Overflow since before we launched, or maybe this is your first time with us, but know that you are not alone, that we are in this together, and we want to walk alongside you in the moments of peace and the moments where you're not sure where to find peace. The second thing I want you to know is it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Did you see what Jesus did when he appeared to the disciples? He told them, peace to you. And then when they remained in that state of terror, he asked them two questions. He said, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? You know, Jesus saw their fear and their anxiety and their stress, and he met them there. He didn't ignore it or pretend that it didn't exist. You know, instead, he helped them take steps to heal and be restored. And you see, Jesus, he knew that these few, they would carry out the mission and they would turn the world upside down. But first, they needed to have their own inner world put back in its proper place. They were upside down as the man that they thought was the Messiah had just been crucified. And Jesus took that time to ask those questions and turn everything inside them back into proper place. That he is still the Lord. He still is in control. And they may not be okay at the moment, but he can help them take steps to be restored and to recover. And today, maybe you need to pursue some healing and some restoration before the Lord can really use you to turn the world upside down, just like he did with the disciples. And maybe you need to pursue some counseling, either with myself or with a professional. Uh, we would love to help you take those steps. Uh, maybe you need to work through some hurts or some areas of confusion. Again, remember you're not alone. Maybe you need to take some steps to restore order in your life, and that might mean removing some people or activities or pursuits, or it might mean adding in new pursuits like intentional prayer or scripture reading or joining an overflow group where you have that brother or sisterhood. Or maybe you just need to remember what God has already said. And I want to take a moment this morning for us all to reorient ourselves around what God has spoken so that we might take a step closer to living in the peace that he brings. So before we continue in our text this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I just, I want you to close your eyes and listen intently to these words of scripture that I'm going to read. I'm not going to give the references as I read them, but if you want them later just to look up and meditate on for yourself, I'd be happy to give those after service, but just listen to the words that God has given us this morning. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there's any moral excellence and if anything is praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. As you consider these words, these promises and commands, I want you to think about what it would look like to participate in the peace that Jesus brings. Honestly, ask him what needs to change in your life, what steps you need to take. And as you do so, I want you to look at what Jesus does next with his disciples and how he leads them to even greater participation. Now, you can... Open your eyes and we'll continue looking at the text. But as we do so, we're going to see three specific areas where we are invited to participate with Jesus today. But I want to be clear, this is not necessarily a a progression. Like you can't participate in the second or third uh, if you haven't participated in peace yet. You know, I think your life will better reflect Jesus and his design and plan for your life if you are participating in all three, but don't buy the lie that says you've got to figure out this first area before God can use you. So just step where you are, be faithful, and continue to pursue the Lord. But let's go ahead and continue reading verses 39 through 45 as we look at the second area of participation. Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. He told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, 
and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now Jesus took another step in in helping his disciples take part instead of just being bystanders or observers. And he invited them like he had done with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, although to a, a much greater extent. He invited them to participate in the promise. And there's a depth of assurance that comes when you not only know facts about the resurrection, but when you experience the resurrection firsthand. Like as we sang earlier today, I am alive because I'm alive in you. Because he has life, we can join him in the resurrected life. And Jesus was standing right in front of these disciples, alive and well. He was doing it just as was expected, just as was promised. And he didn't want his disciples to miss out on recognizing that all of it, you know, the years of ministry, the rejection by the religious leaders, the, the torture, the crucifixion, the burial, and ultimately the resurrection, it was all expected. It was all promised. And it, it wasn't a shock to Jesus. It wasn't a shock to the Father. There was never a moment where things were outside of the promises. And Jesus' disciples, they are invited to not only understand the promises, but they are brought in to participate in the promise. And participating in the promise, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's where faith is realized, where you take part in God's story. And the disciples, they take part by seeing firsthand the answer to all of their prayers. Like they get to see behind the curtain. You know, when, when you can imagine sometimes your prayer life, it can be tiring. It can be almost exhausting because you pray and you pray and you pray and you wonder, God, do you hear? God, am I just talking to the sky right now or... Or do you hear what I'm praying? And if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes here, imagine how the past few days had been for them. Imagine what their prayer life looked like. Like, God, where are you? I, I thought you loved us. I, I really thought he was the one. And what happened? What, what do I do now? Are you real? Do you care about us? And suddenly... Their questions and their doubts and their prayers, they're all realized in front of their eyes. That their prayers were answered. They got to see the prayer answered in the flesh. And this is what our faith journey looks like at times, isn't it? The ups and the downs, the questions and the answers, often in ways that we didn't expect in the first place. Uh, but there are absolutely pages or, or even chapters of our story that make no sense in the moment. But in time, if we take part in the promise, we will see how God was at work. You know, we will see that God was moving behind the scenes in ways that we never expected. You know, I shared on Facebook this week that uh, I got to meet our new manager at the apartment complex that was just built in town and you know, she's excited to hear what's happening here and to partner with us and you know, maybe even join us in worship. 
but that was something I had prayed for specifically that morning. God, would you open doors for us to minister in the apartments? I wasn't looking at these apartments, but God opened a door. And, you know, we don't expect often how he's going to work, but we stay faithful in our prayers and he will remain faithful as he always has in a greater way than we expect often. You know, it really is an act of faith. It's lifting our eyes from what's in front of us and it's focusing on what's truer. You know, sort of like those magic eye paintings, if you remember back in the 90s, like you could stare at it and stare at it and not see anything. And on the backside, there was the little cheat where it's grayed out and you could see, oh, it's a dolphin. And then you look at it and you had to kind of look past it to see what it really was. And then it all made sense. Like it came together because you, you took your eye off the painting itself and looked past it. You know, we, we participate in the promise when we ask in faith and we look to God. Not just look at what we are praying for intently, but trusting God to bring it to fulfillment in an even better way than we'd ever hoped for or imagined. Now that's where the partic participation really comes alive, where we see it for ourselves. And for the disciples, this was the moment that they came alive. This was where they put their trust in Jesus, where they participated in the promise. And you and I, we get to participate in that promise too. Like we might not have full understanding, but God will give us all that we need. You know, Elizabeth Elliot said, God has promised to supply all our needs. What we don't have now, we don't need now. And God will give us what we need. So if you're here today and, and you've been on the sidelines of the faith, let me encourage you to, to take the step today and participate in the promise. You know, you may still have questions and that's okay. You may not have all of the answers. You may not have it all figured out yet. That's totally fine. But if you believe that your sin has separated you from God and that Jesus died in your place and rose again so that you could repent, so that you could turn away from your sins and be forgiven, that's enough for now. You know, in fact, I want to invite you right now to take this step of faith, to participate in the promise and ask Jesus to save you. And we'll continue in the text in a moment, but I just, I want to take a moment and give this opportunity for us to respond. So if you'll just bow with me and take this moment, maybe you need to respond in, in faith and trusting Jesus to be your savior. Or maybe you need to, to respond by just saying, Lord, I will go. I don't know where you're calling me to go, but I, I will. Wherever you lead me, I will go. And as we pray, just have that open-handedness that says, I, God, I believe you're good and I trust you and I will follow you wherever you lead me. So shape this to your own situation with your own words, but I'm just gonna voice a prayer and I would encourage you to, to pray in your hearts. But Father, I, I thank you that you care about me. Lord, sometimes this life is overwhelming 
but I thank you that you care about us and that you sent Jesus to give us life and forgiveness and hope. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for my sins, that you would help me to follow you. And Lord, I I trust you. I don't know where my foot is going to fall with my next step, but I, I trust that you will put the right things under it and give me the boldness and the faith to go wherever you lead. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I would love to hear whatever the Lord is leading you in that prayer. You know, maybe it's a step of faith you need to pursue in believer's baptism next. Maybe it's you're going to knock on your neighbor's door and tell them, I would like to get to know you. I want to be your friend. Maybe it's sharing the good news with a, a coworker or someone that you've been building a relationship with for a time. I want to hear what the Lord's leading you in in that prayer. But let's go ahead and get back to the text. We're going to be in verses 46 through 49. He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I'm sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. You know, finally today, we're not only invited to participate in the peace and the promise but also to participate in the plan. And we will we'll focus on this more next week, but let me just say as we wrap up the message this morning, it's a gift to be included in the plan. Like it's, it's not a burden, it's not a hurdle, it's why we are here. Uh, you've probably heard me say this before, but Jesus could have just taken us to heaven as soon as we put our faith in him. But instead he gave us a command. He told us to go and tell others what he has done in us. That's why we are here. And as followers, we, we have a call. We have a purpose. And it's to participate in what he has done. To join him in the work. So his plan, it's not a burden. It's not a hurdle. It's why we are here. And I don't want us to be content in missing out. I don't want us to be satisfied in saying someone else will share the good news with my neighbor. Someone else will tell my coworker. Someone else will tell my kids or my grandkids. God put you here for a reason. And we get to join him in his work. And that's a gift. It's something that we should be honored to join him in. You know, These disciples that we read about today, they joined him in the work. And as we read in Acts, they turned the world upside down. They joined him in the plan, and he did something beyond what they ever could have imagined. And that's our prayer for South Kansas City, that as we faithfully take steps of joining him in the work here, We want to see our community transformed. 
We want to see lives radically shaken for Jesus. We want to see families healed. We want to see those who have been abused and hurt restored in Christ. We want to join him in that work. There's no greater privilege that we have than helping people come alive in Jesus. Now, as Penn said earlier, how much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? Now, I understand it can be difficult and it might be overwhelming to share the gospel with someone, especially if you haven't done so before. I understand. I feel that way sometimes too. But I want to help you get to where you can share the good news with confidence, with excitement. We're going to have training together where we can practice, where we can easily share what Jesus has done in our lives with other people. I want to help you take those steps to participate in the plan. And one easy way that you can take a the first baby step, you know, next Sunday, as Rebecca mentioned, is bring a friend Sunday. And we have those handy little blue cards in the lobby at the welcome table. Uh, I would encourage you to grab a handful of those and invite someone. You know, I shared this statistic a few weeks ago that essentially one out of three people are likely to say they will come if you have a relationship with them and you invite them to join you. So next Sunday, let's all join Jesus in this mission. And it it starts with just a simple invitation. Uh, We have a a slide I want to throw on the screen. This is a a really easy text message that you could send a friend. You can snap a picture of it and type it up in your own words. Uh, But it's just a, a simple invitation. You know, hey, I hope you're doing well. I wanted to invite you to join me at my church next Sunday at 10. I think you'd really enjoy the service and the community there. Let me know if you're interested and we can make plans to go together. Looking forward to it. You know, it's just a simple invitation that shows them that you care about them, that God is doing something in your life, and you want them to experience that as well. So hand them a card if you see them in person. I would encourage you even right now, just think of that one person that we prayed for earlier today. And commit today before the sun goes down, send them this text message. Say, I want you to join me. And then as the week goes on, send them a reminder. Make sure you plan where you're going to meet. Don't let them walk in alone. You know, join them in the parking lot and come in with them. You know, do everything that you can to be a good gospel friend in that moment. So as you do this, as you join in the good news, as you participate in the plan, I believe that God is going to shape us. He's going to shape our church. He's going to shape our community. And that's really where we see the heart of Overflow Church, where we see our community saturated with the overflowing love of Jesus. It's when we step up and join him in his work. So that's my hope. That's my prayer that each of us would be radically transformed by Jesus' love and that it would overflow from us to the people that he has placed around us. This is a shift in participation. Now, whether you're participating in the peace, uh, 
and the promise and the plan are in all three, you are embracing what God has designed and desired for your life. So well done. I, I can't wait to celebrate what God is doing in each of us these days.